My name is Wade Smith, and I believe in the resurrection of Christ. Yeah. Friday morning, for those that aren't aware, Friday morning I, I got up to drink my cup of coffee. That tells you how old I am. I, I drink coffee and read the newspaper in the morning. I don't get my Facebook page. I don't even have a Facebook page, uh, which is another topic altogether. But anyway, I got up Friday morning, my day off, and I'm enjoying my cup of coffee, and I'm reading the article, the devotional article that I wrote in the paper, and uh, I thought, well, that's curious. They changed the title of my of my, my devotion for this week. And I read a little bit more in the first couple of paragraphs. I thought, oh, well, you know, okay. Well, I got to the, you know, which, if you've read the article, you know which paragraph I'm talking about. And I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> it's going to be a long day. And it was. But uh, I appreciate so much the opportunity that the transcript allows us to, uh, to write. I, I write once a month an article, a devotional. And obviously, those that, that read it, uh, hopefully your response was, wow, I can't believe that our pastor actually wrote this. Because he didn't. And uh, the paper was gracious, and they ran a retraction on the front page yesterday. And uh, then today, in the, in the insert of the, the transcript, you can see the, there's a, a, an insert for uh, the, the Holy Week activities in town. And, and my article and the article of the other pastor that wrote uh, are pretty much right on the next first uh, consecutive pages. So you can read both articles and, and, uh, and make your own decision as we enter into this Holy Week experience. And certainly, um, I believe in the resurrection. I think it is our hope. It is our faith. And it is what we proclaim during this week. It is Palm Sunday, the day that we read in Scripture where the crowds are shouting, Hosanna to the King of Kings, and they're welcoming him into Jerusalem. They're waving their palm branches, and it's a glorious, wonderful day of celebration. The Messiah, at least the crowd that had gathered, the Messiah believed that Jesus well, the crowd believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the one that they were waiting for. And we get to proclaim that and share that today. And next Sunday, we're going we're gonna to come back and, and worship is going to be grand. It's going to be spectacular. In this service at 1050, our, our choir and our orchestra uh, and our praise team are going to join together and lead us in an in a incredible celebration as we proclaim, He is risen. But you know what? If, if all we celebrate is today and next Sunday, we miss the true meaning and the true emotion of, of Easter. For you see, we, we can't come back next Sunday and, and proclaim He is risen if we haven't been to the upper room with Jesus. If, if we haven't walked with Him to Gethsemane and prayed with Him and experience the betrayal and the denial, the arrest. And, and we, we can't really come next week and proclaim He is risen if we haven't been to the cross. And, and if we haven't been to the tomb once it's been sealed. And so please, hear, hear my, my heart as, as pastor. Please make every attempt you can this week to go to the cross. 
and to go to Gethsemane and, and Golgotha. And, and as a church, we provide at least two incredible opportunities for you to do that. Thursday night, our choir and orchestra are, are going to do a, a requiem, for the, requiem for the Living. It's going to be a powerful, emotional experience, 45-minute concert. Come and, and begin to walk that journey. Share that journey with Christ and His disciples on, on Friday night, our secret church service that we've, we've started over the last few years in Common Ground is, is going to share in the Lord's Supper and that night of despair in which the disciples were trying to understand what does it mean now that Jesus is gone? Hopeless in despair. So come, and, and I know our schedules are busy. I know there's lots going on. I hope there's a basketball game we're interested in on Thursday or Friday night. But oh, come and worship and celebrate and cry and mourn and walk with us so that we can next week come and proclaim and declare that Christ the Lord is risen today. And that changes everything. This morning, we specifically want to look at John chapter 11. As I confessed last week, John is certainly one of, is, is my favorite gospel. I think it's an, an incredible, they're all incredible gospels, but John is, is for me, really connects with me. And, and a couple of years ago, we went through this Lenten season talking about the different signs that, that point us to Christ and that, that help us to understand that He is the Christ, He is the Messiah. And this sign in John chapter 11 is, is that final sign before the, the resurrection of Christ Himself, the, the raising of Lazarus. And so it's a critical, it's a key passage and text that we, we prepare our hearts for and we receive as we look forward to this week. So let's look through this, and, and I just want to try to retell the story and then challenge us and, and help us to find our place within this story. Again, we're in this season of come and see. And, and so many times when we, we look at the Scripture, it's, it's come and see. Come and see the great things that, that God is doing. Come and see what, what, what the Spirit of God is, is leading us to do. And we're so excited about the, the come and see opportunities and invitations that we give so today is, is going to be a little different, but still an opportunity for us to invite others, an opportunity for us to invite the Lord to come and see what's going on in our lives. John chapter 11, verse 1, we, we start with a, an important announcement, Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is the brother of, of Mary and Martha. We, we don't know a lot about their relationship, but, but we understand that, that Mary and Martha and Lazarus appear to be good friends of Jesus. And whenever Jesus was going into to Jerusalem, he would always go by and stay with Mary and Martha and Lazarus in, in Bethany. Bethany was just a, a couple of miles from Jerusalem. And so as we read the text and we understand the stories of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, we know that there was a deep and an intimate friendship with, these, with his brother and his two sisters. And Lazarus has fallen sick. So sick, even, even a, a sickness unto death. He, he's, he's really sick. He's, he's on his deathbed. And so Mary and Martha send notice to Jesus. Go and, they tell their messenger, go and find Jesus and, and tell him that Lazarus is sick. Now this is a, a perilous situation for us to, to understand and to realize. 
As Jesus receives word that Lazarus is sick, notice that, that Mary and Martha have not, have not pleaded and begged him to come. The, the message isn't, Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Come and, and help. Come and, and heal him. The, the announcement is simply, Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Certainly the, the hope of Mary and Martha must have been that, that Jesus would come. But they understood that it was probably not very likely. In fact, it was probably very dangerous for Jesus to come to Bethany at that time. So the reality is, is we're not just talking about the possibility of Lazarus dying. We're talking about the possibility of Jesus dying. Of, of Jesus coming to Bethany. And, and, and because the leaders of Jerusalem, the political and religious leaders of Jerusalem, were, were already... Uh, out to get him. They were already out to, to, to do away with the threat that he posed. The disciples understood that Jesus didn't need to go to Bethany, even to see his friend, because the danger was so great. Lazarus was sick to the point of death, but Jesus' return to Bethany, to the Jerusalem area, surely meant his own death. So when Jesus tells the disciples, Lazarus is asleep, you, you can see their, the relief in the disciples' faces. You, you can just see it as you read the story. And, and as they go, wow, well, he, he's asleep. That means he's going to be all right, right, Jesus? Lazarus is going to be okay, so we don't have to go to Jerusalem. We don't have to go to Bethany. Jesus says, no. He's dead. By by his sleep, I meant to say he's dead. He's passed. And and we need to go. And you can just hear the disciples. You you can can hear it in the test. Thomas is the one that speaks up. Thomas says, Okay, Jesus. We're we're with you. We're going to go with you to Bethany. We're going to go with you. We're going to go and die with you. That's the situation. As we read these verses, though, it's interesting that, that Jesus, he pauses. When he, when he gets the, the message that, that Lazarus is dying, the text tells us that, that he waits two days. And, and again, in, in the, that interim two-day period, you can just, you can just see the, the apostles, the disciples, wiping their brow, thinking, wow, thank goodness we're not going to Bethany. But in, in that second day, Jesus says, guys, it, it's time. It's time to go. So sure enough, they make their way to Bethany. But listen to verse 4. Jesus offers this encouragement and even this prophecy. This is not a sickness. It's a sickness not to end in death. Could it be that Jesus was not just speaking of Lazarus, but of himself? Guys, we're going to Bethany, and this sickness of Lazarus is not going to end in his death or in my death. It's not time. But we go to Bethany, we go to Lazarus for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Guys, we're going to go to Bethany Lazarus has passed. 
but we're going to go for the glory of God. And we're going to go trusting and believing that, that the Father is going to do something incredible and miraculous. So let's go. But it's not going to end in the death of me or even of Lazarus. Paul puts it this way, the Apostle Paul in Romans 8. He said, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Friday when I, I read, read the article and, and I, I go, oh, it's going to be a long day, I thought to myself, I said, okay, self, it's going to be an interesting day. Let's distrust that God's going to be stirring and working out good through this and that for His glory and for His purposes, things are going to work out for the best. And certainly it's created a lot of conversation, a lot of healthy, positive conversation. And so it's my hope and trust that, that as we encounter the, the difficulties and the struggles and the hardships of life, the, 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 the bad times of life, we can say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you that, that good is going to be worked out of this. Because it doesn't say that all things are good. It says that God works good out of all things. If we are, we'll, we'll, we'll by faith, live in such a way that we proclaim that, that we want His purposes to happen and to take place. That we'll love God faithfully through the encounters that we experience. And I think this is what Jesus is saying. Guys, we're going for the glory of God to see what He's going to do in the midst so two days later, we discover two days late, or four days late actually, that Jesus approaches Bethany. And apparently there are some folks that, that were anticipating and maybe waiting for Jesus to come. And word gets back to Martha that Jesus is on the outskirts of town. So she runs out to, to meet him. And she meets Jesus. And isn't it fascinating, isn't it interesting, the first thing that Martha says to Jesus, Lord... Lord, if you had just been here, if you'd just been here, God, then my brother wouldn't be dead. If you'd just been here, Lord Lazarus, your friend, would still be alive. Have you been there before? Have you been there where you, you kind of questioned, God, are you really here? God, you're a little late. <laughs> you know, God, if you'd have been here, Lazarus would still be alive. God, if you'd have answered my prayer... If you'd have come when I called, then everything would be okay now. And yet we discover that that wasn't in the purposes and the plans of Christ. Yet still, God was working good out of this. Now isn't it interesting that Jesus arrived on the fourth day of Lazarus' death? This is significant. Because the Jews believed that for three days, the soul would kind of hang around would hang around the body just in case. Just in case the body was revived or, or whatever. But after the third day, the soul was gone. The soul departed. And, and I think what, what the, the text is trying to tell us here is that Lazarus was dead. He, he wasn't kind of laying in a, in, a, in a cool, damp cave somewhere and it kind of resuscitated him after a few days and he was able to come out. You know, thank goodness they opened the tomb so he could come on out. The scripture, the text is trying to help us to understand that, that Lazarus was dead. There was no doubt. He was dead. He'd been wrapped in, in clothing. He'd been put in the, in the tomb and the tomb had been sealed. He was dead without question. It was four days after his death. 
Lord, if you'd have just been here, if you'd have just been here in time. And isn't it beautiful what Jesus says to, to Martha? Martha, Martha, I am the resurrection. I'm the life. He, she who believes in me will live even if he or she dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Martha, do you believe this? Jesus offers a, a couple of things here for us. First of all, I think he helps Martha to understand that, that something's about to happen, right? But he's also foreshadowing his own death. He's also foreshadowing his own resurrection. He's declaring that he is life and he is resurrection. And if we could just remember that, if we can have faith when we encounter those deaths and those tombs of life, that indeed Jesus Christ is life. He is resurrection. And Martha, in her own brokenness, in her own grief, says, Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I believe. I believe. And I think Martha does. She believes that, that, that Jesus, that something's going to happen, that, that, that Jesus is there to love and to comfort and, and to bring healing and renewal and restoration. After Jesus and Martha visit for a while, it appears that, that Martha goes back, she runs back to, to their home, and, and Jesus remains where he is there on the outskirts, and, and she tells Mary... Mary, Jesus is here. And so Mary tries to slip away, but I think the, the crowd kind of follows her out. They think she's going to the tomb. And so she kind of makes her way to see Jesus. And isn't it fascinating as we read the story, what are the exact first words that Mary says to Jesus? Jesus, if you'd have just been here, Lazarus would be alive. I, I can just picture Mary and Martha sitting at Lazarus's bedside. In, in those last moments of his, his, of his life, maybe they, the three were holding hands, maybe they were holding his hands as, as Lazarus took his last breath. And as they cried, as they grieved, I, I can't help but say, not, not bitterly, not, not angrily, but, but you can almost just hear these sisters say, Oh, if, if Jesus had just been here. If he'd just been here, then Lazarus wouldn't be dead. We've all been there, haven't we? We've all questioned where, where, where God is, where, where Christ is in the midst of, of our own deaths, our own perils. We go back in faith and in trust that God is there. He is with us even in those difficult times. So Mary and Jesus begin this conversation. And, and Jesus, if you had only been here, and Jesus says, Mary, Mary, where, where have they laid him? Where, where is Lazarus now? Where, where is the tomb? Where is his grave? And, and I can just see Jesus taking Mary by the hand. Maybe, maybe he put his arm around her and said, Let, let's go. Let's go to the tomb. Let's, let's go where Lazarus is. And with his arm around her or with their arms embraced, I can see them walking towards the tomb. And then one of the most beautiful 
and powerful pictures and intimate illustrations of, of who Jesus is takes place. It's as if when they get to the, the, the tomb and by then the crowds are around them, I, I would suspect that Martha has joined them and I, I just see the three of them there at the tomb. And I see them embracing and, and I see, maybe they sit down, maybe there's a rock or there's some place to sit there by the tomb. I can see them sitting there and I can just sitting there, see, see them sitting there crying because that's what verse 34 tells us. Excuse me, verse 35 that Jesus wept. Where have you taken the body, Jesus? Where have you taken the body, Mary? Where, where's Lazarus at? And Mary says, Lord, come and see. Come and see the tomb. Come and, and see where Lazarus has been laid. And there at the tomb, they cry, they weep, they grieve, and they do that with Jesus. Here's my question for each of us today. When was the last time you invited Jesus to the tombs of your life? When was the last time that you said, Jesus, I need you to come and see. I, I need you to come and see where, where I'm hurting I need you to come and see the pains and the, the hurts and the deaths of my life. Jesus, come, come and see the place where I have died. When was the last time you invited Jesus to come and sit by your grave, your places of your deaths? When was the last time you invited him to come and to see and you sat with Jesus and you just cried? This is the kind of God that we, that we serve. A, a God that is compassionate. A God that empathizes with us. And, and, I, I, and hear me also say that, that I don't think Jesus is just crying because Mary and Martha are upset. I think Jesus is genuinely impacted by the death of his friend. And he knows what's about to happen. But even so, he, he, he sits there and he weeps. And he shares that tender and, and powerful moment with Mary and Martha. So much so that the crowds go, oh, look, look how much he loved him. Look how much he cared for Lazarus. But some of you might say, you know, I, I didn't really think it's appropriate to invite Jesus to, to my own tombs. You see, in, in those places of, of my own deaths, it's so dark there. It, it kind of stinks there. I don't know that I want to invite Jesus to that place. I don't want, know that I want to invite Jesus to come and to sit there where I've hurt and lost so much, where I've died so many times. But here's what we need to understand. Here's what we need to hear. It's Jesus who right now is speaking to us and is saying, where have you laid him? Where's that tomb? Where's that place of death that we need to go to? Can you just hear him come and to minister and speak to you?
He is offering you the invitation to say, Jesus, come and see. Come and see where I've laid it. Come and see where I've placed it. Come and see where that place of death is in my life. Jesus wept. And He weeps with us too. So I believe it's out of compassion. It's out of that love and out of that tenderness that Jesus speaks this next phrase. John eleven thirty nine. 39, Jesus cries out, Remove the stone. Isn't that good news? Martha and Mary weren't prepared for this, I don't think. You see, Jesus, it was a come and see invitation, not a come and smell invitation, right? But you know what? Jesus said, let's, let's remove the stone. In, in a few weeks, <coughs> Jesus cried out, remove the stone from the inside, right? The story of Lazarus' re- resurrection, res- resuscitation, is a story that foreshadows what we're about to experience Easter Sunday. And so from the outside, Jesus cries out, remove the stone. So again, as we take Jesus to our tombs, are we willing, are we ready to hear Him say, it's time to remove the stone? Time to pull back the scab? Oh, Jesus, don't do that. It, it, it stinks in there. It, it smells in there. There's death in there. there. There's a rotting corpse in there. Oh, Jesus, don't remove the stone. Jesus says, remove the stone. Lazarus can't be risen. He, he can't come to life if the stone doesn't, isn't removed. Oh, but, but Jesus, the people have come from so far. Look at the beautiful flowers. Look at the, the memorial that's around the, the, the tombstone. We'll mess all that up. How many of us just... Love the memorials around the deaths of our life. Oh, Jesus, don't, don't take that stone away. It'll, it'll mess everything up. When he wants to bring new life to whatever's inside of there. Remove the stone. For as long as the stone remains, Lazarus is dead. When the stone is removed... Jesus calls out, he cries out to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. In that glorious moment, you can just see a couple of things happening. You can see the crowd in disbelief, right? You can see part of the crowd laughing. Ah, what's going on here? And then Lazarus appears. Wow, the power of God. God has had victory over this death. And God can do so in our lives as well. And then notice the next phrase that Jesus proclaims. Unbind him. Unbind him and let him go. When Lazarus appeared from the tomb, guess what? He he had new life. He'd been raised from the dead, but guess what? He was still bound by those grave clothes. And Jesus says, unbind him. Let him go. Let him be free. And it's a reminder to us as we experience those those resurrections of life that we experience, how many of us come out of that grave, out of that tomb, and we continue to be bound by those grave clothes? And the truth is, is that we need help. We need others to come alongside of us and help us to unwind those, those grave clothes, help us to become free of those grave clothes, to help us to begin to live in a way 
that honors the new life that we have. And yet some of us would say, oh, you know what? I've been, I've got these grave clothes on, but you know what? I don't need any help. I can make it from here on out. And we live our lives, our new life, bound by the same things, the same deaths that put us in the tomb for the first time anyway. Oh, that we would understand the importance of in our church, our life groups, our, our small group ministries, and helping to build community and fellowship with one another. For it's in those groups that we learn how to unbind those death clothes from each other, how to help each other to walk in the freedom of Christ. Do you have that place of community and of, of fellowship that you can experience and walk with today? Who is walking with you? Who is unbinding the grave clothes from which Christ has set you free of. And then lastly, in verse 45, notice this. And many believed in Him. Well, of course they did, right? If you were to see this experience, you would believe too. But notice verse 46. For you see, there are always some but sums. And in verse 46, we're told, but some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. They were afraid of Jesus. They were threatened by Jesus. But oh, for those that... Come and see. Come and see the tombs of my life and, and, and see what God does to bring new life. And many will believe as they see and as we share those stories of resurrection in our lives. On this Palm Sunday... As we sing and shout Hosanna, let us also be honest and identify with Mary and Martha in the loss of their brother. And let us welcome and respond to Jesus' invitation by saying, Lord, come and see. Come and see the tomb. Let's have the courage to invite Jesus to our tombs and to our places of of death and of grief and of despair. For Jesus wants to be with us. He wants to, to cry with us. He wants to sit with us. And then would we have the courage when Jesus says, come and see, as He moves the stone out of the way. We have the courage to to walk and to move when He cries out, come forth. Come forth from your tombs. Come forth from your grief and from your graves. Come forth and experience new life. Oh, that we would have the courage to come forth when He calls our names. Just a few verses earlier, in John chapter 10, John says this about Jesus. He says He's our good shepherd Get the right verse. And in verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Oh, that we would hear Jesus calling our names. Lazarus, come forth. Do you hear him calling your name? Come forth. Come and experience this new life. Lord, come and see. Well, we have the courage to accept help from others to allow them to walk with us and to unbind us so that we can walk in the freedom that Christ died for us to walk in.
And lastly, are we willing to cry out, Lord, come and see, so that others can believe in Him? As we share our stories, as we tell our stories, as we tell how Jesus not only cried with us and nurtured us, but how He brought healing and new life to us. Oh, that many would come and see as we share our stories. Today as we close, what tombs do you need to invite Jesus to in your own life? He's calling your name. Will you welcome Him? Will you allow Him to put His arm around you, to grab you by the hand, and to walk with you to those tombs so that healing can begin? Let's pray.